Verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, chapter 7 of Numbers, when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, that he anointed it and consecrated it, and all its furnishings, and the altar, and all its utensils. So he anointed them and consecrated them. I want you to get a picture here of Moses building a tabernacle out on the wilderness, and it's a move of God. They've just come out of the desert. They've just come out of Egypt, and now they're establishing worship. Now, how many of you guys know that God anoints what he establishes? God consecrates what he establishes. Now, the Bible says that God told Moses, he gave them, he gave Moses the blueprint for the tent and all the stuff in it. And he gave him the, the blueprint and told him, now I want you to anoint this place and I want you to anoint the tabernacle and then I want you to assign leaders in the house and not just any leaders. I want you to anoint leaders who are anointed. How many of you guys know that the anointing makes a difference? And I got a message what's going to come after this one, and I'm going to talk about the anointing. What is the anointing? And God told Moses, I want you 12 leaders every day to offer me something. Now, and I'm not going to go through the whole Numbers chapter uh, 7, but chapter um, 12 says, And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nehashon, the son of Amadab from the tribe of Judah. And then verse 18, it says, On the second day, Nethanel, the son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, presented an offering. Verse 24, on the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, leader of the children of Zebulun, presented an offering. Verse 30, on the fourth day, Elizur, the son of Shedeur, leader of the children of Reuben, presented an offering. 36, verse 30, 42, and verse 38, or 48, Every day for 12 days, they presented an offering to the Lord. It was the leaders who brought the offering. It was the leaders who brought the offering to the Lord. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about the children of Israel and how they were complaining and grumbling. They didn't have nothing to eat. You guys remember that? You read the Bible? And Pastor Mike asked us a question and I thought it was a trick question, but it really was. And nobody caught it. He says, well, I always wondered why these people were starving in the wilderness when the Bible says they left with silver and gold and a lot of cattle. Isn't that what the Bible says? While they sacrificed their cattle, they offered up their cattle to the Lord. As the Lord had required, they got a vision. They said, we can't hold on to this stuff. We got to offer it to the Lord. He'll figure out how we're going to eat. I'm telling you something. If you do not forget God and you give God your resources, he will provide for you. He won't forget what you've given up. What is leadership? 
Leadership is not a title. It's not a position. Preaching my whole sermon already. Leadership is getting under a burden and carrying it. Leadership is getting under a burden and making an offering to the Lord. Some of us don't want to be leaders because we know there's going to be some, we got to bear responsibility. Leadership is getting under a yoke, identifying a burden, burden and lifting it and getting under it. Get under it. She said it's good. Can anybody else say it's good? Get under it. Get under a burden and carry it. And God will anoint you. When you feel like taking it off, God says, I'll, I'll equip you for it. So now let's go out. Calm down. Let's go to Numbers 11. And we're going to go to verse... 16. Now Moses is complaining to God about these people. Lord, I didn't birth these people. You gave me these people and you told me to lead them. And look at them. They're a bunch of complainers. Llorones, chiones. He says, I didn't carry them. You carried them. How am I going to bear all these people alone? Because the burden is too heavy. And then verse 16. Numbers 11. It says, so the Lord said to Moses... Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, and I love this, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come and talk with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put some upon them. If you can get just get some of what the leaders in the house of God carry, I'll tell you, you'll be tremendous. I'll tell you, if you could just get some of it, if you can just get some of the anointing, if you could just get some of the calling, if you can just get some of the burden, if you can just get some of it, God will put it on you. Somebody say, God put it on me. Uh, a preacher told me just a few months ago, he said, when you're preaching, he says, get there quick, know where you're going, and let the word preach itself. I'm going to try to follow those three principles right now. He says, I want you to identify leaders who you know. A lot of times we have people in leadership or we want people who we know nothing about that come to the ministry and say, We've got this, and we've got that, and we have this, and I'm so talented. I've got this degree, and that degree, and this, this, and this, and this, and that, but you know nothing about them, and they ought to not be put in the ministry till you know a little bit more about them. So I remember when we was growing up in the church, they used to say, why don't you sit under the teaching of this ministry? Why don't you sit under the teaching of this pastor, and then God will raise you up? But within weeks, they want titles and they want position. They want leadership because they're so gifted and God sent them. And after they left, I'm trying to wonder, did the Lord really send them? He says, leaders who you know, 
We got to get to know some people in this ministry. I got to get to know some of you because God is going to put a burden on your life. God's going to put an anointing on your life. He wants to put a gift and a calling on your life. He's going to raise you up in this ministry and you're going to be an unstoppable force in the kingdom of God. God is doing something among our young people. They're going to receive this. The kids that we've known all their life. Yeah, I know our kids are pretty good. They're good kids when they're around us, but when they're not around us, and they're with their friends. Yeah, there's a lot of temptation and a lot of stuff going on. But you know them, Lord. You know they don't belong there. Lord, you know that they have a calling. You know they have an assignment. I've seen them weeping before the Lord. Somebody say, do I know you? Do I know you? I showed up this morning real early to pray. How come you don't pray before you preach? Because I've been praying for the last five hours. Let's go. I got to finish my text. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men and women. You're not disqualified. I just, right? I'm just telling you, women are not disqualified. Then I will come down and talk with you there, verse 17, and I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put some upon them and they will bear the burden of the people with you that you may not Bear it yourself alone. I can do it. I got it. And then verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed some of it upon the elders. And it happened That when the Spirit rested upon them, that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Now that verse is a little deceiving because there was a move of God. The Holy Spirit fell on these men. And the Bible says that with miracle signs and wonders, Jesus Christ confirmed who the apostles were. In other words, when the Spirit of God is upon you, he'll confirm his word. How many of you guys know that God conforms you, then he confirms his word? In other words, if you're talking about it, God says, don't just talk about it. I'm going to do the impossible in your life. When you speak, people know that you've heard from me. You can't speak what you haven't heard. I love that verse in 1 Samuel. It's not in my text, so don't forget it. The Bible says the day before Saul showed up, God spoke to Samuel in his ear. He says, the king's coming to visit you tomorrow. He's the one. I want you to anoint him. So they prophesied, although they never did so again. Now, in the King James, the Bible says that they continued and it didn't stop. But for the sake of the the text here, They prophesied when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then the Bible says that they went about their business and they never prophesied again. And then two young men, Eldad and Medad. Those are two two bad names. Eldad and Medad. The Bible says they they weren't a part of the meeting. They weren't a part of the tabernacle. They weren't a part of the leaders. But all of a sudden, what was on the 70 got on them, and they began, to, they began to prophesy in the camp. They began to go do good works. They began to hear the supernatural. They began to prophesy the word of God. And God got a hold of those two people who weren't even in the service. And I just wonder, has God got any people that have been around you? Has God, do you have any spirit in you? 
You know, if God demanded perfection out of us, none of us would be qualified. None of us would be put in the ministry. I thank God Jesus didn't demand perfection out of his apostles. Otherwise, none of them would have made the cut. Well, God says, be holy for I am holy. Yes, he is. We're becoming holy. He's perfecting us. And you may not be perfect, but you got a purpose. You may not be perfect, but your purpose will get a hold of you. And when God gets a hold of your purpose and you get a hold of your assignment and the purpose of God overflows you and overtakes you, something will happen to your life that all of a sudden you'll be perfecting your walk. You'll be perfecting your call when God gets a hold of you. None of the apostles were perfect. As a matter of fact, on the night of Jesus' resurrection, the Bible says in Luke 24 that Jesus showed up in a room and John says they were locked in a room for fear of the Jews. Why? Because they were coming to arrest them too. I was supposed to mention in Canada there was a pastor that did 30 days in jail for disobeying the order to not gather. And when he got out of jail, after he baptized and discipled men in jail while he was there, <laughs> he got out of jail and he said, I'm still going to have church. And people still showed up. They barricaded his church and they put the cops outside and they said, try coming in this church. Thank God we don't live in Canada. In Santiago de Chile, there's some pastors that I've been meeting with. Every month we meet online. He said, soldiers, the Chilean government has soldiers, armed soldiers, outside of the church saying, come in here and we'll take you out. One pastor was dragged from the pulpit out to the street and arrested. Persecution is on the rise. And God didn't give you authority. And God didn't give you power to sit in a church waiting for the rapture. God did anoint you. And he didn't give you the name of Jesus. The name that is above all names. God didn't put an anointing on you so that you can sit there waiting for Jesus. Who's coming? Who, who are you taking with you? You're a little bit too comfortable. What are you going to do? Oh, preaching messages just to, to, for your blessed hope while you're sitting on your blessed assurance. But who, who, who are you leading to Jesus? God has a purpose for you. You may not be perfect, but he has a purpose for you. Luke 24, the Bible says, now as they said these things, this was the two guys that walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They said, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened. And how many of you guys know somebody that's terrified and frightened? The apostles were terrified and frightened, but Jesus didn't say, because you're terrified and afraid, I can't use you. Thank God he didn't say that. He says, they were terrified and frightened, and suppose they had seen a spirit, and he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? How many of us don't have doubts? How many of us don't have concerns? How many of us are not troubled by life, troubled by problems, troubled by the law, troubled by our grandkids, troubled by our children? You got troubles. You say, because I got too many troubles, I can't be involved in ministry. I can't, I can't allow God to use me. No, because you do have troubles, you should be in ministry. Because you are troubled, you should find an assignment. Preach. 
Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. I wonder if we get a picture of Jesus. You can handle him and see how God wants to use you. And he said, I don't want you, he said, uh, to, to, to get a little bit too busy. But what I want you right now is I want you to tarry in the city. He says, tarry. In other words, sit down. That word there, if you continue reading Luke 24, is the Greek word kathizo. And the Greek word kathizo means sit under right now. Just take a seat. And then when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, then I will lift you up. Then I will empower you. But for right now, just sit down. Just sit down under your leader. Just tarry under till God breaks an anointing in your life and then he says I'll begin to use you when the apostles were listening to Jesus they were men full of fear and doubt Peter had just denied him said I don't know him cursed and disavowed Jesus with an oath you might have made a mistake but he still has you you might have forgotten his purpose but he still got you and I'm here to tell you this morning that the Lord has need of you with all your doubts. The Lord has need of your children and your children's children with all their troubles and all their trials. He has need of them. You keep praying for your sons. You keep praying for your daughters. I know I'm troubled. I've been troubled about my children. But God said, I'll bless your children. I'll equip them. I'll anoint them. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Don't, you don't give up praying for your kids. Lord, I know you didn't make a mistake when you called me in the ministry. Lord, I know you didn't make a mistake when you placed your anointing on me. And I know I haven't walked perfectly, Lord God, but I got a purpose. One of the disciples, John, John 1, Andrew said, hey, let's go check out Jesus. The one that the prophet John spoke about. In John 1, verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap is I am not worthy to loose. And Jesus is calling the disciples, starting in verse 35. But in verse 47, the following day Jesus, or verse 43, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him, of whom Moses and the law also and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. Watch this. Behold, an Israelite, Indeed, in whom is no deceit. There's no guile on deceit in this disciple. I could use him. Now, if the Lord was going to use any one of them, the one who had no guile, the one who had no deceit, it would have been Nathaniel and only him. But the rest of them, they were tax collectors, cheaters, common men, fishermen. Peter had a foul mouth, the mouth of a sailor, and denied Christ. But that, even that did not, that, even that did not, Stop Jesus from assigning him. Hmm. You're not perfect. I ain't perfect. But you have a purpose. And you must press on in your purpose until your purpose outweighs your imperfections. And Paul said, I have obtained 
He says, I have not yet obtained, but one thing I do. He says, I press on for that which has taken hold of me. He says, I don't, Paul didn't say I set my eyes on perfection. He said, I set my eyes on the prize for the upward call of God. Let me tell you, if you set your prize on the upward call of God, one day he says, I'm going to, I'll fix you up. I'm going to fix you up. In Mark 3.13, the Bible says that Jesus called those whom he wanted, and he anointed them, and he sent them out to preach, and he gave them the power, and he gave them the authority. He released them into ministry. Matthew 22, verse 14 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. I think about David's father, Jesse. He called all of his sons, many of them. He had many sons, seven of them. He says, all of them stood before the prophet Samuel. Samuel walked in the house and the Lord said, Samuel, none of these are it. They're handsome and they're tall. They're strong and they're part of the army, but none of these are it. Don't anoint that. And David was the one that said, hey, he's the one anoint him. Sometimes we look at people and we say, how is it that God called them? How is it that the Lord anointed them? How is it that the Lord is using them? And isn't it just like God that he'll take the Moseses, the ones who can't speak, the stutters, and he says, I'll show you myself. He'll take the Peters, the ones that have denied Jesus Christ, and he'll anoint them. He'll take the Davids, the nobodies, the ones that nobody wants. He says, the ones that nobody wants are the ones that I'll anoint, the ones that I choose. Hmm. You say, Lord, I'm equipped, I'm intelligent. I was reading some notes that I took. We used to have an evangelist, a musician that used to come to the church every once in a while, Kiko Alvarez. You guys remember Kiko Alvarez? He said some of the most intelligent people in the congregation can't even proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is not looking for the most educated and the most talented and the most intelligent. He's looking for men and women who are under his authority and who have his anointing because the anointing makes a difference. One, one teacher that I was under for a while says, when are leaders at their best? When they are developing the potential of other leaders around them. When they are gathering leaders around them and equipping them and discipling them and transforming and teaching them. I thought about Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson said, a career is something you choose. A calling is something you receive. Chuck Colson uh, had one of the highest profile careers in America. He had access to the most powerful man in the United States in the Nixon White House. Yet he landed in prison and his political career was over. And he said, the real legacy of my life was my biggest failure, that I was an ex-convict and I couldn't choose this one experience that I could glory in. But I could only use my life for his glory and for his honor. Some of us need to crucify our career and say, Lord God, lift up my calling. Can we carry a burden? Can we receive a burden? Can we get under a burden and carry it and not receive the glory and the praise of man for it? In Numbers chapter 10, I want you to make two silver trumpets. For yourself, and you shall make them of hammered work, and you shall use them for the calling of the congregation and for the directing the movement of the camps. When they blow both of them 
all the congregation gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the leaders. He says, I want you to make two trumpets. There's two trumpet calls. If I blow two trumpets, everybody comes. But if I just blow one trumpet, only the leaders call. Come. Why did God require one single call for the leaders? Because if you're a leader, you don't procrastinate. You show up. If you're a leader and the Lord calls you, you say, should I take one call? One call. The congregation, some of them a little bit of slow hearing. We need two calls. But the leaders only get one call. I wrote this down. If you have to be told more than once, you're not a leader. How many times you got to hear the same message to get the response? Lord, I preached that sermon 10 times. They still haven't got it. Well, God says, I'm calling the leaders. I'm, I'm, I'm singling out the leaders. I want not a, many are called, but few are chosen. I'm looking for leaders. If this church is going to go to the next level, we need leaders. Now, I know we're here to inspire people to live for Jesus, but God says once you become a follower of Jesus Christ and you get the instructions, now you go and you instruct others. You instruct others. Everybody, take a praise break. Don't get quiet on me. Don't get quiet on me. God said to Moses, I'm going to take what's on you and I'm going to put it on some of the men that are around you. I'm going to take some of your spirit, some of your calling, some of your burden. I'm going to put it on other people. In other words, the gift's going to manifest itself on the people around you. They're going to start leading. They're going to start doing things. Amen. God says, I'm going to take some of your spirit. I'm going to put it upon them and they're going to prophesy. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm too young. I can't even speak. Solomon said, I'm only a child. I can't carry out the duties. God said, don't worry, I'm going to give you the wisdom. Moses was a stutter, a murderer, a fugitive from justice, and God used him. I was reading history. There was a Greek statesman, Demosthenes. He spent long hours. He was not... He couldn't speak just like me. He had a speech impediment, but he spent many hours out in the sea. He put pebbles in his mouth to overcome a speech impediment, and he became one of Athens' greatest orators. <laughs> Demosthenes was his name. As a matter of fact, he became so well-spoken and such a great orator that the, 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 the court started, at that time, you had to defend yourself in the courts. But people, men and women of power and prestige started coming to him so they could, so that he could be their logographer. You know what that is? A speechwriter. What's your problem? What's your impediment? See, he knew that that he had to defend himself. He knew that he had been taken advantage of. He, he was left with, with, with a, a, a large sum of money, but his, his guardians took advantage of him because he was dumb. He couldn't defend himself. He couldn't talk. When he'd speak before a crowd, he'd, he'd get confused. But he overcame his impediment, and he became very articulate. 
And he was able to gain back what they had taken from him. There's something about anointed leaders you get around. They do something to you. They inspire you. They put something on you. They see something in you. And you start getting around them. And all of a sudden they start looking after God. It makes you want to look after God. There's just some people around you that, that got places in your life that inspire you to be better, to do better. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, they don't have it up there, but I, I was remembering this message when, 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 when Saul lost a couple of donkeys. And the Bible says, uh, Saul's father, and he sent Saul and his servant. He says, why don't you go and look for the donkeys that have been lost? And the Bible says that Saul, Saul before he was king, was out there looking for the donkeys, and the Bible says that his servant said to him, let us go. I know there's a man of God here. Let us go to the man of God and see if he can tell us where to go. And that's the kind of people that we need in our life. We may not have all the answers, and we may not know where to go, but if you hang around with people who say, you know what, there's a prophet in this city. I know there's a preacher in this city. I know there's a church in this city. Let us go there, and he'll tell us where to go. Some of us, we ought to be giving direction to people, prophetic direction to people. God will take some of the most imperfect people and raise them up in your presence. Is there any spirit of God in you? Is there anything that God can take from you and put on others? Get under a burden. It's time for us to get under a burden. Now I'm at the place where I want to be in my sermon. See, a lot of us are waiting for a man to anoint us. A lot of us are waiting for someone to give us something that they've received from the Lord. And that happens. But Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse 12, he says, All things the Father have are mine. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not ready for them right now. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to take what is on me, and he's going to put it on you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Moses is gone and David is gone and Solomon is gone and Jesus Christ is gone but the Holy Spirit is still here and the Bible says whatever the Holy Spirit has he has got it from me and he will take it from me and he will put it on you he will put it on you the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit will anoint you and the Holy Spirit will empower you. He'll put a word in your mouth. He'll put a gift of a, a, a gift in your life. He'll put a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom in your life. And you'll say, where'd that come from? Every morning you wake up, you ought to try it. Say, Holy Spirit, you got anything from me, from Jesus this morning? See, some of you guys are quick to go to Facebook and Instagram and maybe you go to your email and you say, what's in the inbox? You ought to turn off your phone. Try it one day, it'll help you. And say, Holy Spirit, you got anything that belongs to me? Try it. You got anything? Have you heard anything from the Father? Oh, Lord, because I need it. I desperately need a word from you today. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says, But you have an unction, but you have an anointing. And he says, And you... These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Let me tell you, if someone's trying to deceive you and teach you false gospel, the spirit of God that lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit of truth will say, you know what, that's an error. 
We've had men come on this pulpit and try to preach false gospels, another Jesus, and it did not sit. And it says, anyways, they're gone. They don't teach here no more. He says, verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. So a lot of people say, well, what's the anointing? What is it? The anointing is the Holy Spirit. He says, but you have an anointing which you have received from him and abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. God isn't disqualifying teachers. We all need to be taught. We need preachers and teachers and evangelists and pastors and prophets. But you have an anointing. You have the spirit of Jesus living inside of you. I love what Benny Hinn says. He says, the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ unlimited. The Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited. In other words, Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Anointing means to rub, to smear. But I've never seen this before. In 1 John 2.20, he says, but you have an unction. And if you look at the Strong's Greek Concordance or Vines, any one of those study guides, it'll say that an unction is a unguent. I don't know if I'm saying it right. An unguent. Let me say it in Spanish. Maybe you might know. An inguente. And how many of you guys have ever called your grandma and say, Grandma, no tiene un inguente. No es un inguente. Es un remedio. Huh? Look it up. I'm not lying to you. He says, you have an unction, which means aninguente in Spanish. That's about the best that I could do to help you understand what the anointing is. And the Bible says that the unction is rubbed on you. It's sticky. It's, 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 it's kind of like the stuff our grandmas used to make. You know what I'm talking about. It's a remedy. Jesus has a remedy for you, and it's the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing. I know you're sick, and I know you're discouraged, and I know you're depressed, and you might even be suicidal, but when you call to pray for him, the Bible says that you bring the remedy, and his name is Jesus. So leadership is what you get under, and God will anoint you to keep it under you. Jesus got under a cross. And he carried it all the way to Golgotha. He got under the cross and he carried it and he lifted it. And Jesus Christ didn't put the cross down. And when he did, someone came next to him and picked it up. How many of you guys are thankful for Simon of Cyrene? And so many times we, we, we ask God to give us more. Lord God, I want more. I want more of your presence. I want more of your anointing. Lord God, I want more word. What have you done with the word that you know now? It's what you do in the unseen hours where God anoints you, where God gives you a word, where God encourages you. Drew Hanlon, he's an NBA strategic skills coach. He came up with the phrase in the coaching community and in the NBA circles as the hidden hours or the unseen hours. It refers to all the time and the effort that NBA professionals put in their game when they're not in front of the cameras, when they're not in public, when they're not 
making the free throws and the, and the three-pointers or the steals that are going on the record. It's the unseen hours. It's the 4.30 and 5 a.m. workouts when there's no fans, there's no cameras, and there's no cheerleaders. The, mas- the baskets that they make that don't count, the passes that they make that don't show up on an instant replay, the hustling that never gets them any shout-outs. That is what takes them deeper. It is the unseen hours. It is the unseen hours that you spend with God, that God will anoint you. It is the unseen hours that you practice your game, and God will refine you. When you get in public, God will all of a sudden begin to demonstrate with power and authority the work that he wants to do through your life, and people will give witness to it. Pastor Mike said something a couple Sundays about the prophecy. He says, you can't lose. You can't lose. I wrote it down. You can't lose. If you're obeying God and you're serving God and you're living a prophetic life, you can't lose. But I added something to it. I heard from an old preacher. He says, you can't lose with the stuff I use. You can't lose with the stuff I use. Jesus is here to anoint you. He's here to lift you up. He's here to anoint you to carry that burden. He's here to anoint you. He's identifying the few. Many are called, but few are chosen. Who are the few? The ones that make the cut. Some of us don't know the feeling of what it's like to get cut from a team. In leadership, if you stop growing, you're through. It is those who go deep, those who continue that will be the leaders of the church in the next century. Those who go deep, but Jesus Christ is looking for the few. He wants to anoint the few. He wants to put something in your life that you don't have right now. And I promise you, you can't lose with the stuff I use. You have an anointing. If you don't have it, you can receive it today. If you don't got the leadership gift, God can put it on you. Now, some of us, we all have different capacities. Some people have a 12-ounce capacity. Some people have a 24-ounce capacity. But you do have a capacity to lead how much are you willing to lead how far are you willing to go and God told Moses I want you to identify leaders who you know and I want them to come and stand right here and I will speak to you and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them and this morning the Lord God wants to put some of the spirit that's on the elders of this ministry and he wants to put it on you he wants to take some of the anointing that was on Jesus in Acts 10 38 he says oh how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing good Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to teach. I don't know what to say. He says, I'll teach you. I'll show you. Don't worry about what you're going to say, but the Holy Spirit will come and he will remind you of all things that I have said. It's time to raise your game. It's time to raise your game. It's time to raise your game. It's time to say, you know what, Lord, I need a little bit more of you on my life. Lord, take from the spirit of Jesus this morning and put it on my life. Lord, I need an anointing on how to pray for my children. Lord, I need your anointing 
to go into that cell where my son is at and teach him his truth. He don't have a man to teach him, but Lord, you can teach him. Lord, why don't you go into that bedroom with my grandson, Lord God, of my granddaughter, of my son? And reach them, Lord God. I can't speak to my children because I get angry. I can't speak to my grandsons because I get angry. Something might happen, Lord, but you know. But you know. I know some of you are carrying burdens you didn't ask for. Some of us have gone through stuff we didn't ask for. And we've been praying, Lord God, to deliver me from it. And God says, no, I'm going to develop you through it. We've been praying for God to deliver us from a burden, to deliver us from a crisis. And God says, I'm going to develop you. You don't got right now what it takes, but I'm going to develop you for it. I'm going to put an anointing on your life through this trouble, through this thing that you've been through, through all these complaints and criticisms. He says, for everything that you've been through, I'm going to anoint you for it. How many of you would say, you know what, Lord? I agree with that message. Lift up your hand. And say, Lord, I'm ready for a mantle of leadership. Look at that little boy waving his hand. The Lord sees that. Wow. Lord, I'm ready. I may not be prepared. I may not have all the gifts and the talents that somebody else have. I may not have all the education and the knowledge and the wherewithal. But I got your spirit, Jesus. And your spirit anoints me for the thing that you have appointed for me. Lord, I'm not perfect, but I've got a purpose. My kids aren't perfect, aren't perfect, but they've got a purpose. They're not walking in you, but they've got a purpose. Moses was tired. Moses was complaining, says, Lord, I didn't choose these people. You gave them to me. And they're complaining and they want to go back. And they don't see themselves serving you. And they don't see the promised land. All they see is serpents and scorpions and trials and no food and no blessing. What do I do with them? And the Lord says, I want you to identify leaders, men and women whom you know they're going to help you carry the burden. I don't know where this is going. But there's some things I have not been able to do for my kids that only God can do. But the Lord revealed something to me this morning. And I've been doing it for some time now. And it's something that happens because sometimes we pray. And we pray and we pray and we pray. We might recite our prayers, but it's different when you pray for your children by name. So right now, this is what I want you to do. Pray for your children by name. Mention their name, Uriah. 
Elias, Malachi, JL, JJ, oh my grandson, Lord. You know him in the womb right now. You have ordained him and you have set him aside. Lord God, before we know him, Lord God, you already know him. And you know what troubles my son, Uriah. And you know what troubles Elias. And you know what holds him. Lord God, but you have a purpose for him. You have a calling for him. And so, Lord, we intercede for our children right now. And we say, Lord God, that you would give us, give us, Lord God, answers to our prayer. Remove the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness from our homes. Remove the quarreling from our homes. Remove the criticisms from our homes. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit of God, we need you in this place. Anoint us, Lord God, to lead this next generation. Anoint, Lord God, our sons and our daughters as you promised, Lord God, to lead this ministry, to lead this work, Lord God, to the next level. Anoint them and gift them and teach them what we're not able to teach them. How many of you received this word?